0: Today is Saturday, January 20th, and today we're talking all about the U.S. job market, what it is today, and what to expect for the rest of this new year. Also, how to stay on top of work trends that could improve your career and your paycheck. So, first, let's look at the numbers. ZipRecruiter's chief economist, Julia Pollack, is sharing her analysis and predictions based on what's happening with AI, hybrid work, and more, and why she thinks we're on the cusp of something great. Welcome, welcome to the Newsworthy Special Edition Saturday, when we sit down with a different expert or celebrity every Saturday to talk about something in the news. Don't forget to tune in every Monday through Friday for our regular episodes, where we provide all the day's news in 10 minutes. I'm Erica Mandy. It's now time for today's Special Edition Saturday. Julia Pollack, thank you so much for joining us here on the Newsworthy once again.
1: Thank you very much for having me.
0: So ZipRecruiter just released its 2024 labor market outlook this week, and I know in it you wrote that we are on the verge of a second Roaring Twenties with a twist. So explain a little bit about that for what Why is that?
1: Well, the first Roaring Twenties were really about two big innovations. One was a shift to a brand new power source, electricity, which had far reaching effects and made everything more productive. And the other was uh, the adoption of a much more productive way of building things, which was the assembly line. And now these 2020s, we also are making huge strides in the same kinds of areas. We are moving over to to green energy sources with very, very far reaching implications for infrastructure, for cars, for buildings, uh, for everything under the sun really. And at the same time, companies are rapidly investing in a whole new way of doing things much more productively that is expected to boost productivity and efficiency dramatically. And that's AI, generative AI in particular.
0: We know, though, that the 1920s ended with the Great Depression. But I know that you think we're going to kind of get the good part of this without the bad. Can you explain? Yeah, so some of the bad
1: in the first period of the 1920s uh, were a lot of smog, Uh, that period of industrialization was not so great for the environment. And the other issue was that it did lead to speculative excess, partly because interest rates were so low. This time we got the crash out of the way first. And we also are likely to see slightly higher interest rates for longer. It's not likely to see zero interest rates anytime soon. Uh, And so that will maintain some kind of balance in the financial sector and, and keep the players in check. And at the same time, The developments that are taking place in the energy sector are actually moving us to a smog-free
0: existence. One thing I do want to ask when it comes to AI, there is some fear, right, that AI will actually take jobs away. So what's your take on that part? So this is a
1: brand new technology and nobody really knows what's going to happen. But I think it's important to pay attention to the brand new research that's coming out every day. One major study looked at companies that are adopting AI and found that, yes, when companies hire people with AI skills, they do reduce hiring elsewhere, but with no effect overall on their top-line headcount. Other studies have found that, contrary to the prediction of many economists, that these tools would make the superstar employees much more productive and uh, allow companies to replace 10 less productive employees with one superstar, we're actually seeing the opposite that these tools have a huge effect on productivity, but the largest effect, the largest gain goes to the youngest, newest, least experienced, least educated workers. And so actually it reduces the productivity gap between the top performers and the lowest performers and relaxes the labor supply constraint that's holding a lot of companies back. It's possible that with AI tools, companies might be able to open their jobs and make them more accessible to younger, less educated, less skilled workers, uh,
0: and get them up to speed much more quickly. You know, when we're talking about jobs, the US Chamber of Commerce says there's still a labor shortage in the US, and yet we're starting to hear more about layoffs again. What's going on?
1: So I think part of the problem is that layoffs are seasonal. 20% of all layoffs take place in December and January. So this is the layoff peak. Overall though, if you look at seasonally adjusted data, layoffs are very, very low right now. Uh, The layoff rate is 1.0%. In 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, it averaged 1.2%. What's going on here? Businesses, in many cases, are overstaffed relative to the degree of current business activity, but they are very upbeat and optimistic that business activity and financial conditions will improve later in the year. And so they're
0: holding on to the
1: workers they've got in anticipation of better times ahead.
0: What about this hybrid and remote schedules that we've heard so much about, um, when it comes to flexibility, are those winning out? And even though we're hearing so much about them, I'm curious what percentage of jobs actually have that set up and how that might change over the year. Sure.
1: So we've studied this very, very thoroughly. And uh, only 16% of office jobs are required to be done in the office uh, five days a week now. Hybrid schedules have become the norm when it comes to office jobs that can conceivably be done remotely. There's very wide variation. You know, about 18% of companies allow people to do them fully remotely, and 15% require people to be in the office one day a week, and 10% two days a week. There's massive variation. And companies are still experimenting and exploring and changing. But... The overall finding is that the five day in office work day is is dying, that flexibility and hybrid work are becoming the widespread norm and are most popular among workers. Um, and that remote work, fully remote work, because it has huge benefits in terms of cost and access to talent, is here to stay. But, Sixty percent of jobs in America must be performed on site. Think passenger transport or hospital jobs or school jobs. Uh, and in many industries, uh, doing things remotely doesn't work very well. We saw what happened when schools shut down during the pandemic. It was not popular with, with students or teachers.
0: And that's a great point. It's It's most jobs, 60 percent. About 60% cannot be
1: done uh, remotely. And so in those industries, because 60% of job seekers at any one time would prefer to find a remote job, those in-person, on-site employers are having a really, really tough time competing for talent. As a result, they're going to have to embrace workplace innovation and do what tech And other industries that have become remote and hybrid now uh, did with their offices before. Those companies were at the forefront of transforming traditional offices into these innovative, employee-centric campuses. And increasingly, you're starting to see schools and hospitals and warehouses embrace new, bold standards for workplace design and employee experience. In some places, they're doing small things, right, like creating cafeterias and putting in a water fountain and a coffee machine. But increasingly, you're going to see much more focus on employee experience.
0: Anything else you want to mention or highlight as we wrap up here discussing the labor market in 2024?
1: In the short term, there's still tremendous uncertainty. Interest rates are still very high. It's still unclear what the path of inflation is, but... Companies, American businesses in particular, are in a fantastic position with strong profit margins, uh, with a strong U.S. consumer buoyed by all of these job gains in the last few years and strong wage growth that has been positive in real terms for the last few months. Businesses are very, very well positioned once financial conditions improve to invest and grow and expand again. And finally, to bear to, to see the fruits of the investments they made during the pandemic in AI and new green technology. So I think this is a very exciting time for the U.S. economy.
0: To read more about ZipRecruiter's economic research and analysis, including its latest labor market report, head to ziprecruiter-research.org. But we have more to come. Founder and CEO of Career Contessa, Lauren McGoodwin, joins me next to share how employees can and should be working with AI, what's happening with salary transparency, her really good negotiation and resume tips, and much more. But first, a quick break for our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by ZocDoc. We all know life gets busy, but I do think it's important to treat ourselves every now and then. Just the other day, I got away to get a haircut and my nails done and get a nice coffee, and it really just felt so lovely. But here's the thing. Having a great doctor should not just be a luxury that you only get here and there. I think it's a necessity for every appointment and every condition. This is our health, after all. Enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book doctors from tens of thousands of top-tier choices, all with verified patient reviews. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Don't settle. Go for the best and find the right doctor for you. Every time I need to find a new type of doctor, I'll search ZocDoc for who is nearby, takes my insurance, and has great reviews. Go to ZocDoc.com slash Newsworthy and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot slash Newsworthy. ZocDoc.com slash Newsworthy. This episode is also brought to you by AG1. Taking care of your health is not always easy, but it should at least be simple that's why, for almost a year now, I've been drinking AG1 every day. It's just one scoop, mixed in water, once a day, every day, and it makes me feel energized and focused. I noticed I need more nutrient support to keep up with my toddler or when I have a long workday. And AG1 covers my basis with high-quality ingredients like pre- and probiotics, adaptogens, antioxidants, and whole food-sourced ingredients. I know if I drink it daily, I'm going to feel that extra boost— it's really just 60 seconds every morning and I know I'm giving my body what it needs and setting myself up for sustainable habits. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1. And that's why I've partnered with them for so long at this point. So if you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free 1-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase, exclusively at drinkag1.com newsworthy. That's drinkag1.com newsworthy. Check it out. Okay, now to my conversation with founder and CEO of Career Contessa, Lauren McGoodwin. Lauren, thank you so much for joining us on the Newsworthy again. I'm so happy to be here. So I know one of the top trends that you've talked about is that artificial intelligence will continue to become even more prevalent in the workplace. How can employees really use AI to their advantage? So
2: if I were an employee, I would think about, okay, what parts of my job could be automated or what parts of my job would it be really nice to almost have like a personal assistant for? For example, I use AI to help me come up with an outline for a blog post. That's something that saves me time and energy so then I can write a better blog post at Career Contessa. I use AI to collect email addresses via um, Instagram messaging because growing our email list is always important to us. So, like you can see, I am using AI to help me at my job, to be working smarter and better and not just harder at my job. When I say AI being like a compliment or being added into to your job versus replacing your job, that's what I'm talking about.
0: Another big trend is the growing prevalence of a hybrid work schedule. How much are you actually seeing the hybrid work that everyone's talking about? Do you think it will become the new normal, as many people have said? What do you think the impact of hybrid work is going to be?
2: I think that the companies that offer um, virtual-first or remote-first environments and even the ones who offer hybrid environments, they're going to get the better pool of talent. It has more people interested in your position and you are sending the message that you trust the person. So that starts the relationship off very differently. High performing teams, one of the number one things that they have is trust. So I hope that hybrid at a minimum will be the new quote normal. I But I also really, really hope that we continue to see virtual first slash remote first um, organizations continue to experiment with how, what does this look like? You know, you can't just slap, you know, a Zoom or Microsoft Office or Teams uh, subscription on your team and be like, okay, continue working the way you were before, just like do it from home. Like it doesn't that is not the best way to be optimizing a remote work organization. You have to really change and kind of come up with these new ways of working. And so one of the companies I really love who's very good at this is Atlassian. And they basically have an entire team that's dedicated to running experiments about how do we work more efficiently? How do we make it so that, you know, when you're working distributedly, you're you're able to get those goals done. So it shouldn't be about where you work, it should be about what work gets done, the outcomes,
0: and then I also want to talk to you about salary transparency. There are some new laws out there requiring companies to reveal what salaries they're offering in job posts. So, do you think this continued shift to more salary transparency is because we're seeing these state laws, or is it because younger workers are really insisting on this salary transparency? What's what's behind this?
2: I think if it wasn't for the law, um, there's no way companies would have done that. Um, but now that we are having these laws in place, it just really like amplifies that conversation where it used to be really tacky to ask someone how much money they make. Now we're much more comfortable with that. Um, Going around and collecting salary market rates so that you can understand what should I ask for in my raise? You know, all of that has become way less secretive over the years. And now people are able to, you know, make sure that they're being paid fairly as somebody else. Because for example, when Joe is being paid $100,000 for something, I was being paid $70,000. I had no idea that the salary range for the role was between 90 and 100. And I just was willing to take 70, that kind of stuff. So I think the salary transparency laws have been incredibly important for kind of moving that conversation forward.
0: And of course, before you can get to those salary negotiations, you have to stand out. So what advice would you have for job seekers about how to spice up their resume? What are recruiters really looking for?
2: One resume trend that I would highly recommend is that you move your resume from being achievements-only based to impact-based. For example, I grew the Instagram account by 30,000, which enabled us to launch an AI chatbot to grow the email list, growing the email list is how our direct sales funnel or something like that. So it's like, what was the impact of your achievement? I think that is actually a really great exercise for you to go through every single one of your bullet points right now and say, okay, what was the impact of this bullet point? Yes, I grew this thing, or yes, I increased that. Yes, I got this outcome. But what was the bigger impact that it had at the company?
0: Um, And that will be really valuable to be able to talk about. Okay, so if somebody doesn't necessarily want to leave their current job, but think they deserve a raise, what are some actionable steps to make that happen in the right way?
2: What I recommend when you're wanting to ask for a raise is first start by with this career-only conversation. In that conversation, you don't ask for a raise, but you let them know, like, I want to grow in my career here. I want to continue to develop my skills and perform well. What does that look like? What does growth look like? What's uh, maybe the path to director or at least compensation equivalent? What is, you know, you can use the word compensation in there, but you're not literally asking them for a raise. And then three to six months after you've had some actual achievements and impacts that you can go back and use as actual examples, then you can go and have the conversation of, You mentioned these things to me three or six months ago or however long it was. I've been taking initiative. Here are the results of my hard work. Here's how I plan to continue to grow in my role. I've also done some salary market data research. It looks like uh, compensation for people in my role is actually closer to this than is to that. I'd like to talk about considering uh, a raise of X percent or X amount. And that is a much stronger conversation um, where you're making it about your impact and about your future and what that looks like here. So, you and that's why I say asking for a raise is very different than asking for like a cost of living adjustment or something that is maybe just based on more like inflation and time spent in the role. Um, Asking for a raise, it's like you really need to be able to back that up.
0: And what's your final takeaway for our audience? I think the most important thing is
2: that if you're job searching right now, network with people that's a really important piece if you're in an organization right now my best advice is to figure out how you can make an impact how can you be an invaluable contributor to your team and to do that you need to understand what are the most important things to the organization right now so kind of doing the job that's needed not necessarily the job that you were assigned to do and i think that's going to be continue to be really important because the workplace is adapting quickly and it is changing quickly and how are you going to stay at the forefront
0: So there is so much more great advice from Lauren McGoodwin and the Career Contessa team. Be sure to check out all of their resources at CareerContessa.com. And the Career Contessa podcast has fresh advice every week as well. And thanks again for so much good data and insights from Julia Pollack of ZipRecruiter. For more of her insights, follow her on Twitter at Julia on Jobs and check out ZipRecruiter. All right, that'll do it for us today. Thank you so much for being here, listening, and sharing the newsworthy. We'll be back on Monday with our next regular episode when we give you 10-minute news roundups available every weekday morning. So we'll see you on Monday. Until then, have a great weekend.